There's no better way for you to distinguish yourself as a top business leader in your area than to go to black tie events. I didn't say fundraiser. Black tie events attract the top businessmen in your area. And what happens at a black tie event? You sit at a table. And in America, we ask two questions. What are those two questions? What is your name? And what do you do? Depending upon how well you want to do, and particularly if you're starting a company, you need to work super hard. And, I mean, if you do simple math, say, like, okay, if somebody else is working 50 hours and you're working 100, you'll get twice as much done in the course of a year as the, as, uh, the other company. Are these efforts that p- people are, are expending, are they resulting in a better product or service? And if they're not, stop those efforts. I get 24 hours a day just like Bill Gates. I get 24 hours a day just like Beyonce and Jay-Z. You get 24 hours a day, ladies and gentlemen. What do you do with your 24 hours? If you want your life to be successful, you will not let yourself do certain things because you're just no good at them. Once you get that picture down, then you can find the paths wherever the paths are. You're open-minded. Let me tell you something. I noticed right away at the black tie events, these were the successful people that I wanted to know. And I began to build leverage. I began to build a brand by building relationships with the top business people in my community because I was willing to go to black tie events. There's nothing more important you can do, business owner, than to buy your tuxedo. Meditation is the biggest gift that I can give anyone. And I would say more than anything, it is whatever reason for success I've had. If you want to be a millionaire, you got to think like a million dollar person. You can't fake this thing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You got to be legit in this game. You can't fake it to the NBA. You got to be able to ball out. You got to be able to hoop. You got to be legit. And in business, it's the same way. You got to be legit. So take your money and get some information in your head and then take some money and get access. If you can get past your ego barrier and you get past your blind spot barrier, you can accomplish anything because you also know you don't have to figure it out yourself. You can take in from other people the different ways to approach things in the best possible way. I give myself away and blessings come my way. In your community, be charitable. In your community, be a giver. In your community, get to know the other givers, and I promise you one thing, something's going to happen to your heart, something's going to happen to your culture, and the lagging indicator, something's going to happen to your pocket. If you do make your passion and you work the same thing, it's great. As you get older, your obligations increase. And once you have a family, you start taking risks, not just for yourself, but for your family as well. It gets much harder to uh, do things that might not work out. So now is the time to do that. Before you, before you have those obligations. So I would, I would encourage you to take risks now. Do something bold. You won't regret it. SpaceX's lack of experience, $1.6 billion, could compromise safety. testified against commercial space flight. No, I, I wish they would come and visit and, and see the hardware that we're doing here. And, and I think that would change their mind. You know, those guys are heroes of mine. There are many more ways to fail than to succeed. For a rocket, there's like a thousand ways a thing can fail and like one way it can work. You can have a lot of rocket failures. The first stage. Lift off of the Falcon 9 rocket. What I'm trying to do is to, is to make a, a significant difference in spaceflight and help make spaceflight accessible to to almost anyone. There need to be reasons to get up in the morning. 
You know, life can't just be about solving problems. Otherwise, what's the point? There's got to be things that people find inspiring uh, and make life worth living. If somebody is doing something that is useful to the rest of society, I think that's a good thing. Like, it doesn't have to change the world. Like, if you're doing something that has high value to, to people, um, that's, I mean, I think that's, that's fine. Like, stuff doesn't need to be changed the world just to be good. Depending upon how well you want to do, and particularly if you're starting a company, you need to work super hard. And, I mean, if you do simple math, say, like, okay, if somebody else is working 50 hours and you're working 100, you'll get twice as much done in the course of a year as the, as, uh, the other company. I am somewhat impulsive, and uh, I don't really want to try to adhere to some CEO template. A natural human tendency is wishful thinking. A challenge for entrepreneurs is to say, well, what's the difference between really believing in your ideals and sticking to them versus pursuing some unrealistic dream, that is a really difficult thing to, to tell you. Can you tell the difference between those two things? I think certainly uh, being focused on something that you're confident will have high value to someone else um, and just being really rigorous in making that assessment. I think certainly extremely tenacious and then just work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in you know, 80 hour, 80 to 100 hour weeks every week. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's like Quite, quite painful and difficult. So all those things improve the odds of success. I came to the conclusion that if, if we can advance the knowledge of the world, if we can do things that expand the scope and, and, and scale of consciousness, then we're better able to ask the right questions and become more enlightened. And, and that's really the only way forward. That's unreal. There's no such thing as writer's block. He said what that is, is performance anxiety that you've imposed on yourself because your expectations are too high. And he's like, slow your standards. Lower your standards till you get started. In terms of patterns, we were talking about some of the things I've spotted. Meditation or journaling are performed by close to 100% of the people that I interviewed. What can I learn from the people I hate the most? Now this does two things. It forces you to separate your morality from your, your search for effectiveness. Right. It also helps you to develop some degree of empathy. And uh, those two are very powerful. So what can I learn from the people I hate most uh, is a very, very useful practice. So I'll journal on that very often. Are you being busy or are you being productive? What makes you angry was one of the key pieces of advice that I was given by a writer named Poe Bronson. When I asked him, what do you do when you have writer's block? He said, what makes you angry? Or just write that. Copyright your faults. And of course there are weaknesses you should address, but then there are flaws that can be converted into strengths. Uh, so I think that's, that's another way to catalyze creativity or just creating anything, is to realize that some of your biggest flaws may in fact be assets. This is Derek's recommendation to his younger self and really to any 20 or 30 something, but it applies to everybody, which is... In effect, you can do almost everything you want in life, but you can't do it at the same time. And if you can just dedicate yourself to one thing for even a year, and then the next thing for a year, you can do those 10 things. He said, when I start to get really stressed out, I just stop. Because I realize 95% is enough for getting almost all of the results that I want and making it sustainable. The impact that I want to have on the world right now would be creating a benevolent army of super learners who test the impossibles.
are you hunting antelope or are you hunting field mice? And the story he would tell is that of a lion in the Serengeti. He's like, if you're always chasing field mice as a lion, you'll get a snack, you might even survive, but you might end up starving because you're getting these little Scooby snacks, and that's not his <laughs> words, mine, uh, that, that make you feel good and give you the illusion of accomplishing something real. Mm. And for me, that's translated into, are you being busy or are you being productive? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, in three years, I doubled my NBA income in the marketplace. You hearing what I'm saying? And I've never had a real job. But I got a mindset. Lesson number one. For you to get to that next level, here's what you need. Information. You need to get information. No offense, I don't even watch TV. CNN don't pay my bills. Okay? Power don't pay my bills. I don't even watch TV. I might catch a sporting event. Or don't get mad about football game. I love to watch football. But I don't watch TV. Why? It's unproductive in my opinion. I get 24 hours a day just like Bill Gates. I get 24 hours a day just like Beyonce and Jay-Z. You get 24 hours a day, ladies and gentlemen. What do you do with your 24 hours? You need to get more information in our coaching program. All we do is drop content nonstop. People are like, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. See, you don't even know what you don't know. How did you let me come from behind and clip you? Do you guys know the study show, the better we look, the more money we make? Which means your website should pass the eyeball test. Your truck should pass the eyeball test. Your people should pass the eyeball test. You should pass the eyeball test. Everybody in this room has a promised land somewhere, but you can't be stuck on the city you like. You got to hear God and go to your promised land. Your promised land might be Utah. Your promised land might be Minnesota. Your promised land might be Wyoming. Hear me clearly. You better use your money to get information and access, and you better be flexible because a real shark is flexible. Can we stop fronting and get real about this thing? And if I can do it, you can do it. I knew nothing about life. I knew nothing about business, but I had the right mindset, and I learned it through sports. And y'all got to hear my story so you understand. I didn't even start on my college basketball team. I came off the bench. At the University of Minnesota, I came off the bench. But in my mind, you can bring me off the bench, but I'm an NBA ball player when you get through talking. When you get through, I'm an NBA ball player. And that's why I would walk around and say, you can't check me. You can't check me. You can't check me. If I was you, I would walk around every day and say, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I declare it right now. I'm worth millions. I'm worth millions. I will receive my salary right now, but I won't accept it as my value. So whatever you receive right now, receive it, but don't you accept it as your value. Because there's more out here for you if you change your mindset. Most people never dare to evaluate really where they are. And you got to know where you are before you can really determine your chances of getting what you really want out of life. If we can reduce stress, and incidentally, the same process that reduces stress is exactly the same process that will enable you to have a long-term balanced career. 
You know, so many times people say, well, I'd do this, but man alive, it'd hurt, it'd cost too much money, or it'd take too long, or, or whatever. I, I'd quit smoking, but you know, I'd gain 47 pounds, or whatever, or I'd go back to college and get my degree. Uh, but you know, it'd take me 10 years, and in 10 years, I'd be 45. Well, how old would you be in 10 years if you didn't go back to college and get a degree? But instead of that, what you need to do is you set your goal is identify the benefits. Why do I want to do this? Then you identify the obstacles which you've got to overcome. Did you spell out the skills and knowledge required? Did you identify the people, the groups, and organizations to work with? Did you work out a plan of action? And did you set that date? You see, there's a formula. And the formula and the incentive for the date you can't set a date on a lot of things. If it's applicable, you do. But for example, when do you finish education? You don't, do you? Now you finish school. You can make it easy. But you never finish your education. When you answer these questions, if you answered any of them with a no, I didn't do that, then what you've got is not a goal. It's still a dream. And that dream has got to have some foundation uh, to it. If you want to build a winning attitude, you need to take time, and this is probably going to surprise you, based on what you've heard me say so far, but you need to take time to be quiet. You need to do it at least four or five times a week. A lot of people say, well, that guy keeps talking about time for this and time for that. I don't have time for all of these things. Let me tell you how you can create an extra three hours every day of your life, guaranteed. Over 70% of all of the time spent watching television, you're watching things you have no interest in watching. Let me encourage you to do this. Take a slow, lazy, drifting, absolutely meaningless walk. Just almost go to sleep on the walk. Not an exercise walk, you need to do those too, but a very quiet walk. Pick out a place in your home where you can be absolutely quiet on occasion. If you have to get up 30 minutes earlier, that's wonderful. I don't know why, but I seem to wake up earlier in the winter months than I do in the summer months. And when I get up, it's pitch dark. I have a nice little office. I go in there and I turn on the gas log and I sit there. And every time I do that, without exception, I have the most exciting day of my life. I simply run through my mind the things I'm going to be doing. As you plan the day, as you think of all of the things we've got to be excited about, it really does renew your energy and it gets you excited about the day. Now let me tell you something. This is going to be one of the toughest things you'll ever do. When you sit down saying, well, I want to sit perfectly quiet for 20 or even 30 minutes, you will think of 2,868 reasons or things that you've got to do. You try to decide, do I raise the window or lower it? Do I turn the heat up or down? Do I get the air conditioner off or do I turn it more full blast? Do I really need to go to the bathroom? Am I going to get me a cup of coffee? What is that noise against the outside? Maybe I better check up on that. Resist the temptation. Spend a few minutes in quiet, reflective thought. It does make a difference. Take time to be quiet. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
I started taking AG1 because I wanted a convenient way to get more energy throughout my day. I hop out of bed in the morning, drink my AG1, and I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to get me ready for the day. I'm always on the go and love traveling with my AG1 because I don't have to worry about throwing my nutrition out of balance, no matter where I am. And I don't have to carry a medicine cabinet of pills and supplements in my suitcase to get the same benefits I get from one scoop of AG1 daily. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com buzz. Again, that is athleticgreens.com buzz to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. According to futurist Peter Diamandis, between 2022 and 2026, the world will see as much change as between the year 1900 to 2000. In four years, starting, starting next month, we're going to see as much change as between the years 1900 to 2000. New technologies, new opportunities, new things are going to emerge. The whole field of Web3 is emerging right now. And this means there's going to be so much opportunity for disruption. If you are a traditional company and you're not nimble and you're not on your toes, this is bad news for you. It's, it's literally bad news. There's going to be massive disruption across companies all around the world. But if you're an entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, it's good news because there's going to be so much change and so much opportunity for you to disrupt the established players. I started Mindvalley as an experiment. So, so basically, one of the most important skills you can learn is how to make money. But I was smart. I didn't quit my day job. So here's something really interesting. There's a study that shows that if you quit your day job to start a company or a business, you are 30% less likely to be successful. So this whole idea that you need to quit your day job and jump in and go all in, absolute rubbish. Do not do that. The reason is because if you quit your day job, it's going to take you a while to get your side hustle to take off, right? And that could be a year, that could be five years. It took me five years. I was one of the slowest starters. But if you quit your day job, what could likely happen is that you may not have the income um, and that puts you under stress and that's going to reduce your performance, your cognition, your thinking, your ability to grow your business. Why, why um, transformation is so important? Well, because our university system teaches us stuff that is so useless and not correlated with our future success. Um, I do not believe people need a college degree. I do not believe a college degree is going to have any bearing on your success as an entrepreneur, as a career person, on your happiness levels of life. Yet, we go through four years of intense study. Americans especially go into so much debt to get a college degree. You must put your personal growth first, okay? So you must take your meditation practice, your personal growth, your reading, your gym. That must come number one. It must be more important than your business. As you grow, your business will grow. When you focus on your personal growth, what happens is that even if a business fails, even if an idea fails, you emerge from it with new knowledge, new data points, new, a new version of yourself that can do better on the next idea or the next business. That's rule number one. If you want your life to be successful, you will not let yourself do certain things because you're just no good at them. Once you get that picture down, then you can find the paths wherever the paths are. You're open-minded. 
the holy grail of investing. It's like three pages long. And it explains basically this important thing. Because when that epiphany happened to me and how I would do it, it changed everything. And it's so important for the average person who's listening. And let me explain why that is. Because the average person who's listening, too many people, think that they can go into this very difficult zero-sum game of betting against the consensus and be right. You know what I mean? In other words, investor says, I'm going to go in the markets, I'm going to make money. Betting against the consensus and be right. Right. Because okay. the consensus is built into the price. Okay. Okay? That's what's the... So it's, think of it as like going to a horse race and there's handicaps. Okay? You're not going to pick the best horse and you're not going to pick the best company. A terrible company can be a better investment than a, uh, a terrific company. A terrible company can be a better investment, just like the terrible horse can be a better investment. Because the odds that are changing, like you go into that, that becomes the long shot. But because the long shot is going to pay off 25 to 1, right, if he comes in, you could just as likely bet on the, the long shot as the leader and it's going to be equally likely that you're going to make money, right? Otherwise, you'd, otherwise the market would be doing the opposite. Well, the market is like that, right? In other words, if everybody believes that something's going to be terrific, okay, then everybody's betting on it and its price is high. So it's not what's best necessarily. Mm. It's what's best relative to what's in the price, what's discounted. You know, everybody crashes, and then you're faced with uh, that crash. And you either have an epiphany or you don't. Now, you either walk off the field and say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore, and you give up on that going after your audacious goals, or you gain really humility. You, you, you know, how do you feel that you're going to be wrong? And so I think then that whole notion is, um, you know, to come back with the... Um, finding the smartest people I could find who disagree with me. Um, also, I'm in the investment management business that you have to bet against the consensus. Otherwise, you can't make money because it's in the price. And you have to bet against the consensus and be right. Or as an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. I had to bet against the consensus and be right. And so to gain that humility was the, the thing. So you either get off the field or you learn, right? The greatest tragedy of mankind, or the greatest tragedy of individuals who together make up mankind in their uh, dealing with each other, is they have bottled up in their heads wrong opinions that they don't know how to stress test, because they think if it's in their heads, it's, it's right, if they have an opinion. And it's so easy to get around that if you can think about how do I go beyond that so the reason I'm saying that is I love partnerships in which there's a back and forth and you knock things course, around yep. and you get to the right answer where there's open-mindedness and learning at the same time as there's the assertiveness as you're trying to figure things out together. In all relationships, in one way or another, you have to find out how you're going to make decisions. There are going to be agreements and disagreements and you have to have the art of thoughtful disagreement. Now, people find their domains differently. 
Maybe somebody says, oh, okay, I'll take care of these things and you take care of that. I don't know. Some people, uh, you know, the traditional household might say, okay, I'll take care of making the money out and the man goes out and he makes money in the world. And then one woman says, I'll take care of the kids. We're not there anymore. But each role, I'm trying to say, in some way, you have to find out how to do the art of thoughtful disagreement. It's, and it makes sense. And then also knowing what's good, what you're good at and what you're not good at. It's a good thing to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. We teach things that are generally not taught in school, as I already have said, but I want to talk about another little factor. 90% of the visits to medical doctors are directly or indirectly related to stress. 90%. My stress level, and I face as many deadlines as anybody you know. It's always a book production, a class I'm teaching, a seminar I'm presenting, and each one of them uh, requires time and concentration. Example, how many of you feel like I've made this talk before? Can I see your hand, please? Several hundred times I made it yesterday. You know what I did between yesterday and today? I spent over six hours getting ready for today. You see, I think it would be arrogant if I thought I could stand up and spit it out just because I did it yesterday or hundreds of times. That's arrogance. When you respond to life instead of react to it, react is negative. You get sick, go to the doctor. She gives you a prescription, says, see me tomorrow. You walk in the next day, she said, "Uh oh, it's not working. Uh, We're going to have to change their prescription. You get a little nervous. But as she smiled and said, hey, it's working. And so you have just, she's just responded and you feel better because now you see some real hope in order to get ahead in life. I don't know how many of you uh, remember or recognize the name Howard Hill. Now, Howard Hill was a good Alabama boy. He was an archer. They say he was the best in the whole world. He entered 287 archery tournaments. He placed first 287 times. He was so good, he retired early because the other archers started to get unwilling to compete for second place. I've seen newsreels of Howard Hill where from 50 feet away, he had split an arrow dead center in the, in the bullseye. Then he would take the next arrow and split the first one. He killed a Cape Buffalo with a bow and arrow, the most difficult game animal alive to bring down. He killed a Bengal, Bengal tire, tiger. He killed a 15-foot shark in, under 18 feet of water. Or was it an 18-foot shark under 15 feet of water? Well, it was a great big one in his way down there. I, uh, uh, you know, I do know that. <clears throat> he was a good one, there's no question. So, now let me emphasize a point. I've, I've never shot the bow and arrow professionally, but I'm an instructor extraordinary. I'm not certain, but I think that's French, which means I'm really good at it. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me tell you just how good I am as a teacher. If I could spend 30 minutes with any man or woman who will ever view this, providing your eyesight is good and your health is normal, at the end of 30 minutes, I would have you hitting the bullseye more consistently than Howard Hill could hit it on the best day he ever had. Sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I could do it. Provided, of course, you had first blindfolded Howard Hill and turn him around a couple of times so he wouldn't have a clue as, uh, you know, just uh, which way am I headed? 
And you might say, well, now, Ziggler, my goodness alive, fellow, of course you could. That's ridiculous. How on earth could a person possibly hit a target he couldn't, see, he couldn't even see? It's a good question, but here's a better one. How can you hit a target you don't have? From Dan Carlin. But copywriting your faults. Dan was a radio guy before he was a podcast guy. And he was constantly getting criticized because he would, he would, he would go into the red. He would, he would shout and he was really loud and he'd go up and he'd peek and drive all the audio people crazy. And then he'd get really low and whisper and they're just like, dude, come on, you're killing me here. Making my job really hard. And uh, his supervisor, supervisors at the time, they're like, look, kid, I, what people want is this like deep dignified baritone voice for the radio. I don't have a voice for radio, so I can't do it. <laughs> Later on, he had such a distinctive voice that people started complimenting him. And he's like, okay. So now this, this so-called weakness that he was unable to fix, so he didn't fix it. Uh, not only that, but he, he avoided fixing it by having the intro guys, the guys would be like, please welcome, or please enjoy, blah, 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 Dan Carlin, and he'd say, he shouts, he whispers, or something like that. He had the intro guy do a caveat so that he didn't have to change wow. his personal style, which later then became this huge asset. And his term is copyright your faults. He's like, now if someone imitates me, he's like, that's my jam. He's like, that's my shtick. And so that could be a question you ask, right? How might some of my biggest weaknesses be strengths? or assets. I think that's a very useful question to journal on, and which I, which I tend to do just about every morning, is freehand journaling in what are called morning pages. But uh, which, okay, we're talking about creativity, morning pages we should talk about. Julia uh, Cameron describes them as spiritual windshield wipers. And <laughs> the way I would translate that is when you do morning pages, and, and you might just be complaining, like your lesser self, your worst self coming out on pages, just bitching and moaning, is you get that out of your system for the day. So you don't have it ricocheting around your head like a stray bullet for the rest of your waking hours, interrupting everything else. You just trap it, you freeze it on paper. And that practice has been tremendously liberating. Not only from a, a well-being standpoint, but from just freeing up my CPU so that I can focus on things that are more important. Because if I have all that, like, God, that guy, and the dad, and the dad, like, I should have said, bah, like, all that bouncing around all day, it's like you have antivirus software just slowing down <laughs> your, why is it so slow? It's like, yeah, because you're thinking about these stupid grudges that you're holding against people for trivial bullshit. Like, who cares if the guy at Starbucks bought the last thing of cashews, you idiot? Like, <laughs> Ferris. Deeply troubled. Yeah, like, Ferris pulled together. So if I get it on paper, though, I'm like, okay, I've, like, I've dealt with that. Now, in the book, you encourage people to bounce around. What's one thing that you hope nobody skips? So the book's broken into three sections. You have healthy, wealthy, and wise, which is a nod to Ben Franklin. I mean, they're all interdependent, right? Because they're, they're sort of the, the three legs of the stool, mm -hmm. healthy, wealthy, and wise. So I, think, I do think you need all three. So Derek Sivers is this like programmer monk philosopher king startup entrepreneur who started CD Baby, which was the largest marketplace for independent musicians at the time. Sold it for, I think, $24 million. But he and Seth Godin, I think, are two examples of people who are very good at genuinely, in real life, following contrarian rules that work exceptionally well. Mm. Uh, so Derek 
uh, has has a couple of one-liners that I think are really fantastic. Um, <laughs> so I'll give you a few. One is, if more information were the answer, we'd all be billionaires with six-pack abs. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. right? And you just 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 absorbing, not even absorbing, just reading and watching and listening to more isn't enough. Like you have to apply it. You have to use incentives. You have to have rewards and punishments set for yourself so you actually get things done, timelines, etc. So that's that's one. Another one is uh, don't be a donkey. And that, so he, he says that to himself all the time. Like, don't be a donkey, don't be a donkey. And the reason is there's a, I want to say it might be a, philosopher's paradox, but I don't think it is. I think it's just a parable about Buridan's ass. So uh, it's about a donkey who ha- is thirsty and hungry, and there's water on one side, a few feet away, and hay on the other. And he can't decide whether to do the hay first, the hay first, or the water. The hay or the water. And he dies of thirst at the end of it. He couldn't do them sequentially. So this is, this is Derek's recommendation to his younger self and really to any 20 or 30 something but it applies to everybody which is in effect you can do almost everything you want in life but you can't do it at the same time and if you can just dedicate yourself to one thing for even a year and then the next thing for a year you can do those 10 things but if you try to do all 10 at once you're going to be burdened's ass you're going to be like should I do this should I do this or should I focus on this or should I focus on this so don't be a donkey